Hey you, a very good morning to you. It is Thursday, December 21st, 2023, and I'm Richie Allen, and this is The Papers. Hope you've had a good evening. Hope you've had a good night, yes. Of course, it varies the time you might hear this. It's exactly 6.40am, 06.40am, as I talk to you now. I've been out with the dogs. It is really, really gusty. It's blowing a gale here in the northwest. It's about the strongest wind that I've experienced for quite a while. It's very, very gusty, very blowy. So be careful in the northwest if you're driving. Look out for fallen branches and whatnot. As I walked around Salford to get to the park, lots of wheelie bins overturned with bottles and glass and, and cans everywhere. So it's been very windy overnight here. Funnily enough, um, I've just logged on to Twitter. Now, I don't use Twitter very often, but I've logged on to it. I say funnily enough because the BBC is reporting again uh, this morning that the X platform, X of course is Twitter, is down for users globally. Users are unable to view posts on X, as says the BBC, with a message popping up saying, welcome to X. But as I said, I've managed to just very quickly jump on there. My Twitter account is at BBG Richie and I can use it. So maybe it depends on where you are in the world, maybe, as to whether or not you can use Twitter. Nothing social about social media, as I've said a thousand times since uh, since the advent of such platforms. Let us look, you and me, at the front pages of the UK daily newspapers. Let's look at the front pages. The Daily Mail. And this is awful. Many of the papers leading with the the death of Brianna Joy. And Brianna Joy was murdered by two teenagers who stabbed um, him or her. It depends on your perspective. Brianna was a boy who identified as a girl and lived as a girl and dressed as a girl and preferred to be referred to as a girl, okay? Um, but she was murdered um, despicably by two teenagers and they've been found guilty of the murder of the 15-year-old kid, Brianna Joy. So this is making up most of the front pages today. What they did to our beautiful Brianna will haunt us forever. As police reveal torture-obsessed 15-year-old murderers had a thirst for killing the victim's heartbroken mum and dad say what they did will haunt us forever. The Daily Mirror, again, most of the papers, going with a photograph of Brianna. We will never stop loving her, says Brianna's mother, who, to be absolutely fair to her, did mention in a press conference yesterday, after the verdicts were handed down, did spare a thought for the parents of the murderers, which I thought was pretty was pretty compassionate, really. The the mum of Brianna, who was stabbed to death, was able to find a moment to think about the parents of the kids who did it and say they've lost a child as much as I've lost a child as well. It's a, just an absolutely horrendous... How does a 15-year-old kid, kids, a boy and a girl, come... How, how, how do they end up in a place in their lives where they can plot the murder of another kid? And... It seems like through various text messages and other messages that they shared online that they had 
some sort of um, desire to kill or to torture somebody and that this wasn't motivated by any hatred for the trans kid. The police reckon the trans nature of this has got nothing to do with it or the trans element has nothing to do with it. These were just very disturbed teenagers. The Daily Express does have a photograph of Brianna but the headline is we must give Dame Esther her final campaign victory. So this is about the television personality Esther Ranson who wants a debate to be opened up on assisted dying in the UK. Calls to legalise assisted dying. I'm not uh, in support of it myself as you might know if you listen to the other show. I, the I, the I leads with tax cuts in 2024 after surprise fall in inflation. So the I newspaper is predicting the tax cuts planned by the government next year um, might very well go ahead because of a surprise fall in inflation. The paper also is suggesting today is that a boost for mortgages as a result of this cut in inflation um, might make it easier for people to, to, to make their mortgage payments every month and even to obtain a new mortgage. The Times, cheaper mortgages set to ease living costs. That's the same story. The Financial Times leads with a story about the Prime Minister of India, Narendra Modi, um, who is responding to uh, allegations that there was a plot to assassinate him on American soil. That's interesting on the front page of the Financial Times. The Guardian also has a photograph of Brianna Joy. Um, outrage over police access to 50 million driving licences to run face checks. Now I've grabbed that story. We'll talk about that in a few minutes' time. As the Daily Telegraph, Sunak vows to defend Ulster veterans. So what's this about? Well, we saw the Irish Taoiseach Leo Varadkar convene a press conference yesterday where he outlined Ireland's intention to commence legal action against the UK government because the UK government is giving immunity to um, those who committed crimes, serious crimes, during the Troubles, okay? So the Irish government is suing the British government, according to Varadkar, and the the Telegraph leads with Rishi Sunak, the UK Prime Minister, some sort of a, an assurance to veterans that uh, they would be defended and not to worry too much about this. The Metro found alive kidnap Brit 78 set up by Lover. You might have followed this. Colin Armstrong, very wealthy British dude, was kidnapped in Ecuador and apparently it was set up by um, his girlfriend or by his lover. He was rescued, anyway, by the Ecuadorian police. And she's under the microscope now, the, 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 the lover. The son... Um, bargain Hunt stars attack charges. This is of no interest to us, really. Bargain Hunt is a, I suppose, a BBC light entertainment programme about antiques. One of the stars of the programme is um, facing accusations that um, basically he a a attacked his partner. As the Daily Star apocalypse soon. Sorry to be the bearers of unsettling news, folks, says the star. It's an apocalyptic front page. The star suggests that the in... Oh, yeah, it's a globe... Richie, I told you. I told you. Flaking out here. 
Um, the Daily Star leads with a global warming warning. And it suggests, does the paper, that the intestinal gas of elderly people is partly to blame for global warming. Old people farting and burping are partly to blame for global warming. Well, maybe the old people will do us all a favour and they'll go to Dignitas, maybe. Or the British equivalent, when the assisted dying law eventually, first of all, is obviously put together. When there is a bill, when it is debated, when it eventually becomes law, maybe the old people will, will, will shuffle off this mortal coil and not continue to contribute to global warming. According to the star, um, we have 200 years before the world is destroyed by global warming. Okay. Let's look inside some of the papers. There's some quirky stories in the news today. Here's one in the Times. Party goers warned of risk to sight from 50 mile per hour champagne corks. This isn't a joke. This is true. You remember your mother when you were a kid or your father. It was usually your mother constantly warning you that you'll have your eye out with that. No matter what it was you were doing as a kid, no matter what games you were playing, running around the living room, behaving like children do, like Egypt's, your mother was always there to tell you that you could possibly lose an eye. You know, you might be waving a tennis racket. Or in Ireland, you might be waving a hurley. You'll have somebody's eye out with that, was the warning. A team of boffins at the University of Cambridge has given guidance on how to open a bottle of champagne safely. I mean, this is ridiculous, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it really? I mean, this is a waste of money in, in extremis, isn't it? So, University of Cambridge boffins are saying that the corks travel at 50 miles per hour, you could lose an eye, and we have a guidance here for you. We have guidance in how to do it, such as covering the cork with a towel when opening it, so, so that revellers do not, and this is a quote, begin the new year on the operating table of an eye surgeon. That's in the Times today, I kid you not. Apparently the cork can travel from the bottle to the eye so fast in less than 0.05 seconds that the natural blinking reflex is ineffective should the cork hit the eye. It isn't April 1st, it's December 21st. Here's an interesting one in the Daily Mail. Matt Lucas and David Walliams confirm work on Little Britain reboot but announce major changes after backlash against shows offensive humour and use of black face. Yes, Lucas and Walliams have begun work on a rebooted series of Little Britain. Now, the original show ran from 2003 to 2006, but in recent years it has been criticised for its offensive humour, including blackface and racial stereotyping. It was an interesting series. I remember it well when it when it first aired. Some of it was funny, some of it was a bit crass, but none of it was offensive. It was poking fun, not so much at stereotypes, but it was, poke, it was usually poking fun at white British people and their um, confusion around um, the world changing around them, if I could say it like that. Most of the time, the show was poking fun at white people at straight white British people um, as they had to 
struggled to come to terms with a changing world around them as the world became more diverse racially, as it became more diverse sexually, right? It was laughing at themselves, really. But the point was missed when people started having a go at it uh, in recent years, saying, you know, that it was, it was so offensive. And they even began to put trigger warnings on some of the gold channels, you know, these UK gold channels, where you can watch the comedy shows of yesteryear, like Porridge, for example, like Rising Damp, like Reginald Perrin and all of those. They began to put warnings on them, you know, in case we were overcome by, you know, horror at some of the um, antiquated views we might encounter while watching these programmes. So anyway, sadly, they're bringing it back, sadly, but um, they're going to be joined by a new range of actors to increase the show's diversity. It's obvious that the reboot of Little Britain will be as funny as having a root canal. It won't be funny, obviously. And it'll be a woke fest on steroids, won't it? Ridiculous, anyway. That's in the Daily Mail. The Telegraph. Pro-Palestine activists target genocidal Israeli hummus in shops. So campaigners for Palestine are labelling pots of Israeli hummus stocked in British supermarkets as profiting from genocide. So they're running into these shops and where they see these Israeli products, they're slapping a sticker on them and the sticker claims simply profiting from genocide. This is the BDS movement, boycott, divestment and sanctions. It's been around for many years. Right, which calls for people not to buy Israeli products, to put economic pressure on companies operating in the country. And this is happening now in shops. Um, how do I feel about that? Well, personally, I do not buy and I go out of my way to check that anything I buy to ensure that it isn't made in the occupied territories. I've always done that. So I won't buy anything eff effectively that's made in Israel, right? Uh, it's a little thing. I don't know how much of an impact it makes, but it's what I do. So it's going on now. Uh, the campaign's website says Sabra Hummus is a joint venture between PepsiCo and the Strauss Group, which is an Israeli food company which provides financial support to the Israeli army. Okay, so they're slapping stickers on products and saying this product profits from genocide. Also in The Telegraph, this is interesting, you talk about cancel culture. Here's the headline, BBC's choice for Eurovision called Israel an apartheid state responsible for genocide. So they're referring to Ollie Alexander, who was announced last week as the UK entrant for the, for the uh, Eurovision Song Contest in 2024. And Ollie Alexander endorsed a statement by an LGBT charity that accused Israel of genocide. And this is in The Telegraph today. Okay. Uh, yesterday, the Conservative Party accused the BBC of, quote, either a massive oversight or sheer brass neck, end quote, by selecting Ollie Alexander, who found fame in pop band Years and Years. A Jewish charity called for him to be replaced and anti-Semitism campaigners demanded the corporation cut ties with him altogether. However, thankfully, 
Thankfully, the Telegraph understands the BBC does not plan to take any action against Ollie Alexander. The BBC says the letter was signed before he was unveiled as the UK's act. We live in dystopian fucking times when people feel that it is proper, that it is right and proper to try and ruin the career of somebody because that somebody has an opinion they do not approve of. Israel is an apartheid state. It's also an illegal state. It is committing, not just now, but it has been for decades, genocide against the people of Palestine. Ali Alexander is perfectly within his rights to say so. And he should feel completely safe in saying so, and not have to worry that he might lose his place at a song contest because he has offended one group or another. It's disgusting, isn't it? You should cut your ties with him. We've had it on the Richie Allen show, of course. Hundreds, and that's not an exaggeration, hundreds of guests over the years have disassociated themselves from the Richie Allen show because the newspapers in this country declared the show to be a haven for anti-Semites, which of course it fucking isn't, or anything like it. Yeah, yeah, death by disassociation, eh? Of course they didn't succeed with the Richie Allen show, it continues, and it'll be on air today at four o'clock, the final one of 2023, and I look forward to your company, John Waters will be with me. Ollie Alexander should be free to opine on any subject he chooses, as should everybody else. I would never call for somebody to be kicked out of any contest because they supported Israel's genocide against the Palestinians. And that's the truth. I'm not a hypocrite. You support Israel's genocide against the people of Gaza? Well, I think you're a fucking wanker. I think you're detestable. But I don't feel that I should have the right to try and, you know, to to have... I, I don't think I should have the right to try and force you out of your job or to uh, impact your ability to make a living. No, that's outrageous, isn't it? Yeah, that's in the Telegraph too. Let's look in the mirror, a Christmas miracle. This is a bit mad in the mirror. Miracle couple both survive separate plane crashes miles apart on the same day. That's a bit mad, Ted, isn't it? A couple survived two separate plane crashes which happened on the same day, 25 miles apart. One walked away unscathed, while the other had a slight limp. The couple in question, and it's a straight couple, thank God, he says, (laughs) for a change. Uh, Stefano Perilli and his fiancée Antonietta Damasi had decided to take two light aircrafts to travel for a lunch with friends near Turin, Italy, on Sunday. They don't give a shit about the climate, do they, huh? Huh? They took two light aircraft for a journey to have a a lunch near Turin. Not one, they took two. Anyway, on their way back, both ran into trouble as the sun set, leaving them in darkness and a sudden mist. Amid the confusion, both planes crashed as they came into land, but incredibly, neither party suffered serious injuries. Stefano was unscathed, while Antonietto, or Antoniette, yes, that's her name, Antonietta, um, suffered an injury to her pelvis. That's amazing, really. Two light aircraft came down in the dark and in the mist. Nobody was killed. 
and there were only minor injuries. That's in the mirror. Well done. Now, The Guardian says it has an exclusive, and this is the story adorning the front page of The Guardian. Police to be able to run face... Excuse me. Police to be able to run face recognition searches on 50 million driving licence holders. The police will be able to run facial recognition searches on a database containing images of Britain's 50 million driving licence holders under a law change being quietly introduced by the government. Should the police wish to put a name to an image collected on CCTV or shared on social media, the legislation would provide them with the powers to search driving licence records for a match. The move, which is contained in a single clause in a new criminal justice bill, could put every driver in the country in a permanent police lineup, according to privacy campaigners. Facial recognition searches match the biometric measurements of an identified photograph, such as that contained on driving licences, to those of an image picked up elsewhere. Now, the intention to allow the police or the National Crime Agency to exploit the UK's driving licence records is not explicitly referenced in the bill or in its explanatory notes, raising criticism from leading academics that the government is sneaking it in under the radar. Once the Criminal Justice Bill is enacted, the Home Secretary James Cleverly must establish driver information regulations to enable the searches, but he will need only to consult police bodies according to the bill. Yes. And critics are saying, this saying, even this facial recognition technology, is a threat to the rights of individuals to privacy, to freedom of expression, non-discrimination, and freedom to assemble and freedom of association. Peter Fossey, a professor, a former independent reviewer of the Met's use of facial recognition, said there was insufficient oversight of this, with ministers worryingly silent over studies showing the technology was prone to falsely identifying black and Asian faces. He said, did Fossey, it's another example of how facial recognition surveillance is becoming extended without clear limits or independent oversight of its use. Yes. Yes, it's planet dystopia. It is surveillance, surveillance, surveillance. Everything we do, everywhere we go, everything we say, ultimately everything we think is going to be collated and collected and observed uh, increasingly without oversight, without a, a bill being debated by a politician. Just under the radar, more and more freedom grabbed, little or no oversight or even opposition. It is the papers. This morning, it is the 21st of December, and right now as I record this, sure, it is only eight minutes past seven. Is it? Or is it three minutes past seven? It's three minutes past seven. Let's finish with another one in the Times. Schools must present gender identity as contested belief. So you will know this week, because we've talked about it, and it's made the papers every day, that the government has presented new guidance this week where it's urged schools to exercise caution with children who want to change their gender identity. Okay? The schools have been told the parents must be included. 
teachers must not be compelled to use the pronouns that children demand, right? Must not be compelled to go along with it. So this is the new guidance, right? So it's good. It's good. It seems to be good anyway. But now they're saying that schools must not teach children that changing gender is a fact, but it must be presented as a concept um, which is a contested belief. Teachers need to be aware that other pupils and staff may hold opposing views that are just as legitimate and protected in the law. As the guidance says, the concept of gender identity is linked to gender ideology. Ministers are becoming increasingly con- increasingly concerned as the gender identity is becoming, quote, embedded within schools as an uncontested fact. Now, the Department for Education is carrying out a review into relationships, sex education and health guidance. This review will be published in the new year. It is expected to confirm the gender identity is a contested view. And as such, teachers will, will, must, will have to give appropriate context. And importantly, teachers must set out opposing points of view. That's what it's expected to say in the new year. Okie doke. Is there anything in or on even the BBC News website to tell you about uh, the Twitter outage being reported by the BBC? I've not experienced it. I'm on Twitter. Maybe it's happening to you. Maybe it doesn't matter. Who cares about Twitter? Um, What else? Tide turns for channel smugglers, but people keep trying BBC running with a story that says UK funding um, has helped um, to double French police patrols on borders in France and that has reduced the number of small boats uh, and has reduced uh, has, has resulted in a significant drop in the number of migrants crossing the English Channel in 2023. According to the BBC, official figures are down by over one third compared with 2022. Again, because the UK has helped to fund a doubling of French police patrolling the border. So Sunak and the Conservative Party will no doubt be crowing about this, they will be saying this is a real achievement today and in the day, uh, the days to come. There is a story about Warner Brothers, Discovery and Paramount in merger talks. That's a big business story, in fact, and that will be a big, big, big problem for media plurality. These mergers should never be allowed to happen, um, but they will, um, no doubt they will. What else is there? Nothing else, really. That's about it, I think, for the papers for this Thursday. There is one more episode of the papers before Christmas, and that is tomorrow, Friday morning. So there you are. I do hope you'll join me for the Richie Allen Show at four o'clock this afternoon. It's the final one of 2023, as I've already said. John Waters will be my guest, and that will be fascinating. Thank you for listening to the papers. Do share it with others. Use your social media accounts to do so, if you don't mind. So until today, you enjoy the rest of your Thursday and join me at four. From your BBG, it's Lawn Tommel. Bye.